episode number 14, high energy, right? 14? Midway through the teens, almost. Midway so almost I'm through the getting teens. There. I'm getting up there, I'm getting up there. It is late January. Uh. <laughs> thinking, oh, we're just gonna start pretending. Yeah, wow. <laughs> what date is it next Friday? Yeah, <laughs> uh, wow, that nuclear bomb is crazy. <laughs> um, we keep promising something's gonna happen, and yeah, clearly nothing's happening. Clearly nothing's happening. Even when something does happen, it's like, what are we gonna do? Talk about it? Although this is the first well, week I... that we have hot. Well, we talk about hot takes. There we were takes. There were takes. There were takes. Takes were take. We we took in some takes. <laughs> Things were done. Took of some takes. <laughs> oh, clever! I don't know. We partook. <laughs> um, uh, uh, update on the allotment. I got some seed potatoes. I don't know if I've actually told you that. Me? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to say the bit that I was about to say, but I got them at a business that I'm regularly at because they got their shipment. Uh, and I just happened to be there. <laughs> so <laughs> Hanging around waiting. <laughs> just hanging around waiting for the potatoes. Front of the queue. Yeah. Uh, very excited about that. Do Although, you know what variety they are? Do you know when they, when they crop? Yeah, it's, I didn't get first earlies or second earlies. I just got the main crop. Okay. Because I think you're, you plant them all at the same time. And I was just like... I've okay. heard the first early, second early terminology and have no idea what it means. Me neither. So I was just yeah. like, I'll just get the thing that says main crop. And okay. it looked like they... Does that mean like autumn? I don't know. I have no idea. I can look. I just put them under my bed because you don't want sunlight or whatever. But um, sure. I saw do... I saw some in a different shop. Oh really? Um, hmm. And they were all cropping. I think in the summer sometime. Okay, that could be good. Maybe I like I'll buy that. Some. Maybe I'll buy some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got a lot, and apparently you get like a ton with uh, each potato. So I don't know. I also asked <laughs> gonna be this the person potato that, rich <laughs> the potato rich. Um, I asked the person who runs that store that I'm at quite a bit if seed potatoes are just potatoes. And she was like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay. Why don't I just get potatoes? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I've, I've heard that you can just plant potatoes. <laughs> um, and clearly, like, we've all experienced potatoes that we've Strength. left on a shelf and they start to grow. Classic experience. Um, <laughs> but I have also heard, heard the advice said, don't, don't try and plant potatoes yeah. potatoes from the shop. I think that's from Big Potato, though, quite frankly. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. I don't know. But it might be better to have... The quality might be better or sure. different or like... Maybe they keep can... longer. Sure. Because mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. they got to keep them until March or something like that, so... Yeah. I don't know. Mm. It's probably some Monsanto shit going on somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Stay exactly. away from it. Stay away from, Stay the, away from the, the mutant potatoes. Yeah. Um, I've been going through potatoes like crazy, though. All I want to eat these days is just like lentil soup and hot potatoes and that's it. It's just hot food. Uh-huh. Because, and here's your other update, the weather still sucks. (laughs) I'm officially, we've been saying that it sucks for a long time, but I'm officially, I think, as of, like, yesterday today, over it. Because it was snowing in the... Over it or done with it? Well, I wish I was done with it. Oh, oh, Pretty much the entire rest of the country, it was snowing, like, for the last few days. Mm. Um, Not here. It's It's just just been raining. raining. It's not even been that cold. It's it's just been, like... Yeah, the cold end of wet or the wet end of cold. My my heating's been out for several days, so it's been I see. no good. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, maybe tomorrow we'll get some snow. Great, <laughs> great! I gotta go to work tomorrow. It's sick. Actually, we will be getting snow tomorrow. I know that because I looked it up. Actually, what's gonna happen is it's gonna snow in the morning when I have to go to work. Snow for the first few hours when I'm at work and I have to be working outside during the coldest part of the day. Then it's gonna start raining at the uh-huh. midday. So, uh-huh. looking forward to so that. When you get to go inside, it stops raining. I'll be in and out all day. Uh. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Uh, such is life. Um, wow. 
what an episode we have for you today. It's different. It's, it's great. I'm stoked. It, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, first interview yeah. in auxiliary statements history. This is awesome. Put this together. Dan, tell us about who it is. We could not have hoped for a better guest. Oh, absolutely not. An utter gentleman. <laughs> and a saint. Veteran <laughs> podcaster. Uh-huh. Tom O'Brien from, from Avatar Mega Podcast. Very exciting. Um, very, very and cool. And of Emancipation Network fame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, joined us to... Just give chat, us all the takes. Just chat shit. Talk about some politics. Talk yeah. about some theory. Talk about Aaron Bastani. Uh, yep, stick around yep, yep, until yep. that bit. <laughs> Probably Aaron Bastani fans out there. Unless you are Aaron Bastani. <laughs> Unless you're Aaron Bastani. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> in which case, yeah, stop listening about 30 minutes in or so. Um, Although we will have you on the pod if you want to come on. Aaron, come on. Come on the pod. We got a question to ask you about your wet mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but man, this was so much fun. It was so cool. Um, Tom's awesome. Uh, smart dude. Smarter than us. Sure, for sure. Yes. Um, uh, but uh, I had a blast. Um, it was our first time doing this, so there are a little, there were some technical difficulties. I, I had some technical hiccups. I mean, we all did. Internet faults. Dan, and, Dan hops and in and Microphone malfunctions. <laughs> not, still not sure if that's going to show up. I think, I think it, I think it did. At one point, Tom's like, Jack, your microphone sounds bad. And we were like 40 minutes in and I was like, cool. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Um, so... Haven't really gotten around to editing it yet, but presumably there are some bits that are uh, some hiccups. Maybe there aren't. So if there aren't, ignore what we're saying, but whatever. Um, it's awesome nonetheless. Yeah. Forgive us. Yeah. Forgive us, please. <laughs> um, forgive us. <laughs> uh, what was your favorite bit before we uh, hop into it? Um, I enjoyed all of how we just jumped right into hot takes. I will yeah, say. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and... All the uh, you mentioned that perhaps we would need an MMT primer for our listeners, but uh, I'm not the guy to do that. No, we'll get to it at some point. We'll get to it. <laughs> Listen to this one first. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it all. Good answer. I enjoyed being good answer. Um, <laughs> put in my place to some extent <laughs> about the the coup, the coup, the dang coup. Yeah. Uh, some interesting takes there. Some interesting. Uh, Developments on the conversation we were having last week about the American political system and how that might develop. Totally. Uh, yeah. Tom gives us his um, mm. his takes on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, yeah, uh, the relationship between uh, modern monetary theory and Marxist economics, mm. Uh, mm. elucidated in a way which I hadn't really thought about. So. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All fascinating stuff. Smart dude. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else there is to say other than it's just very surreal, I think. Also, yeah, that. yeah. I, I mean, I've been listening to Tom's podcast and the various podcasts he appears on mm. for, um, I mean, the better part of the last decade. Yeah, uh, long before I ever thought I might do a podcast, and so mm. um, it was just an honor, but also a shock. Yeah, <laughs> um, a very surreal experience, mm. one that I had not expected. Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Super, super thrilled that it happened. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I hope you guys are too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, presumably all of you listen to Tom's uh, show from Alpha to Omega. Um, if you haven't, though, or you want some suggestions, they are just finishing up the 18th Premier Reading Group, which has been awesome, fantastic, because I know last year sometime, early last year, I sat down and read through the 18th Premier and passed the first, like, five or ten pages I was really struggling because there's a lot of historical background that you need, blah, 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 blah. And once you get past kind of like the 
eminently quotable bits. It's all there's a lot of very quotable stuff in it, but like the stuff that everybody knows. Everybody that, knows like, Wayne. The three like bits everybody knows are exactly. on the first page. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, it really helped me out in understanding it and um, getting through it. So definitely check that out. Um, and yeah, all those interviews they rock. So yep, 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 yep. check that out. And I believe um, they're going to be starting a different reading series on Eric Olin Wright. Yeah, I believe, yeah. So, and the class, and they were starting that very, very soon. So yeah. check out um, his YouTube channel as well. Yes, where mm-hmm. all of the reading group episodes, installments are streamed. Mm-hmm. Go check him out live, I believe. Um, go check out his Patreon. Um, throw some money at him, and enjoy, enjoy the, the interview. Before we should say that, welcome. You're listening to Auxiliary <laughs> Statements. Wow, I'm Jack. I'm Dan. Thank I- you for being here. <laughs> Wow, what a Both good Jack time. and the listeners. I'm talking to the <laughs> listeners, really, but also... Thank you, Dan. Thank you for joining me, Jack. <laughs> um, enjoy the interview. All right. Uh, I guess we're good to go. I guess we we're can good. just begin. <laughs> um, welcome, everybody, whoever's watching. Um, Jack, Dan, Comandante Alpha of From Alpha to Omega. How you doing, Tom? Not too bad, not too bad. Mm-hmm. Wait, you gave away my real name. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> panic um yeah I, I don't know how should, how should we begin this dan i mean i guess we could just go right into we don't have um, an established way to enter the podcast except to introduce it at the end so as long as we remember exactly. to introduce yeah. the podcast at the end it's like, i'll tell you how we begin it, it our it. first question tom how does it feel to be auxiliary statements very first guest <laughs> i don't know i don't know <laughs> that good huh? well, we're, we're thrilled to have you Oh, thanks yeah. very much, lads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quite like, I don't know. <clears throat> You've been like, in this game a long time. I'm just Good some bloke in a room. You know, literally just some dude in a room. I know nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? My opinions change every minute. So <laughs> I'm going to be entirely inconsistent throughout all of this interview. Yeah, well, we figured we'd get some hot takes from you towards the end. I was listening to your... Um, uh, emergency Q-Putch live stream. Um, oh, yeah. I was, I was really hoping we were going to get some hot takes about people being like, this is the beginning of the end of American Empire. But sadly, sadly, everyone was very level-headed. What are you going to do? the past week. We were hoping something yeah. happened. <laughs> I think it's just uh, like, do, do we, are we doing hot takes now? Give us, give us, Tom, please, please, give please. us your hottest take. Um, oh, God, what my hottest <laughs> take? That's uh, <laughs> I give think us a lukewarm take. Yeah. yeah no. Give us a tepid take. We'll go from there. I just think like people looking at, at what happened are kind of shocked. Now I know that there is like there's a lot of I I think I listened to one kind of a normy lefty kind of thing <laughs> that used to be the real news and the guy that was on the real news is now I think he got kicked out and now he runs one called uh I can't even I don't know what the analysis.news or something like this. This guy called Paul J. He's kind of okay. like a like a kind of a, what do you call him? Like a social democrat type, uh, left wing de- democratic party. But he was saying, like, when he was watching what was going on, it reminded him he was living in Baltimore at the time of the Baltimore protests, and the cops had like there was some like demonstration or whatever, and the cops had a had a had uh, instructions. Like literally, the chief of police said to people, "Like, uh, l- let them do a bit of writing, let them like burn some stuff down, and then we've got political." capital to go in and deal with them and so like they left like 
like some police cars in strategic positions just abandoned them and they got set on fire, <laughs> right? And I think there's quite a lot of that that's going on. Like, to, why does it explain where all the troops and all the cops and everything were? Like, some of it could be Trump's doing, but I think also some of it is probably a ploy by the Republicans to try and get rid of Trump now he's gone. So I think there's some of that. But regardless of the fact that even if it was that, I think it's displayed a huge weakness of American political system. And I think people are going to look at it like and get lots of ideas. So both sure. internally in America and externally in America. And it's not it's not coming back anyway better like like if we thought year 2020 was bad, I think 2021 is worse. <laughs> Tom, no. no. <laughs> oh, yeah, big time. Like, like somebody tweeted, there was like, somebody sent a tweet around, they said, like, this is, this is the, or sorry, the, and, and this was the first week of 2021. Yeah, you know, I and that. I think there's an element of that. Yeah, I will say, I kind of feel like the, the, like, correct take of the left has kind of gone from, like, whenever anybody says the beginning of the end of American empire, you know, blah, 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 blah. The take has kind of always been, like, well, I think that's a little optimistic. I think you're being a little <laughs> bit optimistic to me. So now it kind of seems like it's it's definitely not swung entirely the other way, but it definitely seems like some people are like, oh yeah, like it, people have kind of accepted like, all right, yeah, it's begun, it's begun. And you kind of get the like, sure, we're going to see some things around the world where people are like, maybe we can take advantage of this. Maybe we won't get, you know, Iendate or Arbenzed or something like that. What do you think? Oh yeah, like... I had a week in the summer where I had no sleep and I lost my I lost the plot altogether. Uh, but like at the time, I was like, you know, the communist revolution's coming. It was totally insane. <laughs> but like, um, like I, but I do hold definitely think that that what happened in the summer, it was the uh, probably what happened with uh, COVID, like was a, a thing that kind of revealed, you know, the the man playing the organ behind the. Green sure. curtain. Is that is that was it a green curtain and was it a man on an it was, organ? It was it was a curtain and it was a man with a machine, I believe. I don't know the color and I don't know if he had an organ or not, but there's I always thought it was an organ, yeah. It's a long time since I've seen it. But um <laughs> maybe it was his organ. The man revealed can, his I organ. I think I can just remember a big mouthpiece <laughs> that he speaks into, the voice changing thing. The man with yeah, the mega organ, organ uh, <laughs> yeah, speaking into a mouthpiece. Let's keep let's go with this one. Let's roll with this. Wait, did we watch the same movie? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you watched the I watched the one on Pornhub. That's the original, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay, we did watch the same movie then. Yeah, we did. Excellent. Um, uh, but uh, but I think like the veil has been has come down to a large extent. Like I just think, like uh, Dan, you grew up in the UK. I'm Ireland, close enough. Like when we were growing up in the 80s, I don't know you came from a more lefty household. I came from a very normy household. Um, but like the Mer the like just the people used to look up at America as like America I, is the great I, leader of the world. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I always used to almost like wish I was American kind of thing. It felt like yeah. that's where the culture came from, or like that it was interesting and cool to be an American somehow. Uh, I suppose that's my kind of like childhood version, perhaps, of this kind of the, the awe that people might have had of the uh, our, our our allies across the Atlantic kind of thing. Um, but I, I mean, I feel like to have a have a view of what's going on in America now, I feel like so detached that I, maybe I don't understand the system very much. Or if people were closer, to, if it, I, I felt a distinct level of like lack of shock um, 
just a kind of like, oh, there's something going on. There's a protest and people have gotten into, like, perhaps if I held um, uh, that building in more awe kind of thing, or if I had a more direct relationship to American <laughs> politics, it wouldn't have just, in my mind, it was kind of comparable to, like, when the students broke into Millbank in 2010, 11 or whatever. Like, just some people got into a place, made a bit of a mess kind of thing. Now, I wasn't really paying close enough attention to know, like, quite what level of violence there was or quite what the level of the police response was kind of thing. Um, but I just sort of had this distinct lack of, like, okay, there's a thing that's happening. <laughs> but maybe maybe that's, like, the general malaise that we're all in with American politics. Or, like, oh, it's just I, the next thing. <laughs> but I feel like it's less a kind of a personal one, but more like a kind of what, like, my, my dad would say, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, like he, they would have, you know, or just like normally people would just be now just going like, like, you know, my mate lived in America for illegally for a good long time as an electrician. And he was going, he's like, if the Americans, he like, if his opinion now, he says, if the Americans could fuck it up, they'll fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way he is now after like living there for 10 years, you know. And uh, so I think, um, I, I do actually think it's the, like I think the people will look back and you know they always they periodize these things, don't they? They'll say, "Oh, 1945 to 2000, uh, 2001, 9/11," and then they go 9/11 to 2020, and then they go 2021 <laughs> to fucking you know uh, Armageddon. That's that'll be the periodization, <laughs> something like that. Uh, yeah, I uh, earlier this past year during the first lockdown. Uh, out my window, I heard these like like school must have just gotten let out, and I heard these like school kids walking by, and they were like thirteen, and one of them said something like, "I don't know what they're talking about." But one of them said something like, "Yeah, like why would I want to be an American? I just get shot in school." And I was just like, "Oh, whoa, whoa, geez, brutal." <laughs> it yeah. is brutal. Getting shot in school is brutal. That is brutal. Yeah, it's about it is about as brutal as it gets. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I, with all this stuff, I mean, like when we're trying to predict about how people are going to look back on history and stuff, I, you can kind of pick whenever you want. Right. Because it's like, you could pick uh end of the post-war compromise and like pick whenever you want to pick then you could pick Goldwater, you could pick Nixon, you could pick, obviously you could pick Reagan. Right. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah, I, I guess the only thing that makes me think like maybe that whatever it was on the sixth or whatever it was like, that wasn't something like history book. Uh, epoch defining it's just that it's trump like he's just such a it's you know he so clearly doesn't know what he's doing i guess you know does that play into it at all you think just his personality well it, it, it would have to be like if we're materialists you'd have to say sure. it, would, it, it would it would play into it i think but um like you know he he's kind of i don't i i kind of feel like he's the president like america deserves on some level you know <laughs> like he kind of like he's like you know he's like this archetype but i i i think like it definitely plays in but it's not so much like it's not that he didn't know what he was doing on some level i, I think he's one of those type of people that just burns everything and mm. like like and i just think he doesn't know how to back down and like but the thing is, what it does show is that he's pushing on an open door. Like, that's the sure. kind of general point, whether it was Trump or somebody else. You know, like, when countries go into these, like, bad, like, political crisis type, uh, or it have their system is in such a place whereby, 
like it, uh, you know, all it takes is some weirdo to come in with a bit of charisma and starts demolishing norms. Like that tells you that the all these norms have have kind of already been demolished to a large extent internally, but there is this facade and like like one thing like. You know, uh, uh, during the summer when the riot stuff was going on, like, and there was pictures of like, like Nancy Pelosi wearing like a pink face mask <laughs> with gems on it, and I remember thinking, like, that image is like seared into my brain. I was just like thinking, like, like, you know, like people must look at this and they they it must internally make them explode like with rage. <laughs> And I, and I do think, and I think that the the, the ruling class is um, ha, has got to a stage where it's not functional politically to maintain their coherence. Now, sometimes political classes come back from the dead and they they make compromises and they do stuff. So they may do that, but they may actually like due to the due to the all this QAnon Trump crowd, what they did with the Klan, like. That is a possibility, but like honestly, I think if you were to look at the nineteen sixties American that system that that you know put their boot on the neck of the clan, there was definitely more coherence, and you didn't look at them like they were completely out of touch to the same extent, or the system wasn't in complete disarray like it is now. So I. You know, if you're going to be a betting man, you'd say no. It'll just be systemic crisis. They won't. Yeah, it'll it'll just be systemic crisis, and 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 external events and internal events just causing stuff to fray fray even more. Like I'm not gonna lie, I was on Twitter and I saw one of these like Trumpian guys, and he was in like the House of Representatives the next day or something, and he was doing a speech or something, and he started talking about like how all the Washington Post had, or the Washington Times. Is that the right-wing one? I always mix them up. Is the Washington well, Times the I really right-wing one? Yeah, Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are they owned by, like, the Moonies in South Korea? I think they're owned by know. the Moonies. I think they are. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, but they had, like, something where they had, like, these face recognition stuff, and it basically they, they made this out that these were actually people from the Black Lives Matter. This was, like, their... Mm. And the guy was quoting this, and, like, you could hear half of like the other side of the chamber was going, ooh, oh, I can't believe he's saying that. But then he made some crappy point about like uh, the police and then all his backbenchers around them all start cheering. And you're sure. like going, the day after like this really kind of crucial upheaval thing, you still have people in the chamber and they're not like a rump. They're not like three in the Republican Party. It's probably 50% of the Republican Party. After that happening, they're still explicitly just doing misinformation and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. like, that just reminded me of, like, a downfall of Yugoslavia. Like, yeah. not going to lie. It's like, we're just, like, the political system internally was just entirely incoherent. But, like, unless they actually purge the Republican Party and really drive that stuff, like, the Klan, and, and wipe it out, uh, like, that's the best you can hope for, you know. That's that kind of action... That kind of action would necessitate them having some kind of project in mind, right? This is what you sort of alluding to, sort of like in the middle of the last century, the the establishment for one of whatever would have had a project, or might have had a series of 
economic policies they wanted to enact or every time they, if they see a crisis coming they have some kind of like other road or role to step into kind of thing um now it sort of feels like they're wearing the same masks or continuing the same language because they don't actually know how to develop or evolve or um or move into a new space kind of thing um yeah, yeah, yeah. like what, mm. what would you say like if you were to look at it like and you'd say who's the dynamic of like who's like the the, the who who's the most dynamic actor in the republican party is it the crazies or the establishment republics who's on the back foot who's on the attack i mean why i mean the crazies seem to have more of a project in mind they sort of have an established sort of like base yeah. they know who they're speaking to they have an established language they have sort of like a repertoire um, so it, all the, that the, at least that connects at least like how many of these rhinos are perceived in the public as dynamic actors like not like so if you're asking me just kind of politically where you think the zeitgeist is it's with the crazies mm -hmm. and like and and on the other side like uh well crazy is probably a pretty bad term but like you know like the actual more fashy uh side of it but then on, on the systemic point of view and you look at all these polls of young people all being like calling themselves like socialists and communists or marxists or some kind of whatever anarchists like like compared to being pro left versus pro right wing like systemically does capital want to stamp out a counterbalance force to to the left so like no so yeah, like yes. <laughs> so, so if they actually want to like actually purge the 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 trumpite wing of the republican party this fast adjacent fast light uh part of the party like their only way systemically to me that they will do that is if they subsequently uh, try and eradicate and push down the left, the left um, other means, yeah. at the same time but like that's very difficult if you've got like 100 million young people and you're basically kind of getting 50 million of them and like kind of politically crushing them uh you know versus crushing a few like uh you know not this i don't know i'm not going to say just a few but um you know i think it's a it's like i don't i think the ruling class that's their only two avenues is like like either leave the trumps alive and like let the chips fall where they may we control the system you know the bourgeois survived the you know world war ii in germany they didn't lose power did they you know mm -hmm. or they can try and purge both wings i don't see a, i don't see see them purging just the republicans because there's a count like they act as a counterweight you know it's not your rhinos going out to the black lives matter protests and saying down with black lives matter you know you know it's literally the the trump kind of faction that's doing that Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dan and I were kind of speculating what we think the kind of like establishment Democrats are going to do when it comes to um, trying to deal with the like few, it, it seems to me like few Republicans, at least in the House, who seem like they still want to be, you know, like not crazy full on Trumpians, you know what I mean? And so we were kind of trying to figure out like, do we see the Democrats kind of trying to partner with partner, like whatever that would mean with these kind of like softer Republicans, you know, again, softer, like to kind of try and create this like more of like a centrist kind of kind of deal within the House. But I mean, like looking at it 
you know, with the impeachment votes and everything. I mean, like how many Republicans voted to impeach Trump? You know what I mean? It was like 10, you know? That's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but like that's probably just the politics as well. Like I'd say if you looked into those 10, they're probably in tight races in Democratic E kind of places and they it, it it works for them and the other Republicans might want them to actually do it as well but they don't want to get harmed when they're electing so I presume there's loads of politics going on there but if you ask me um like you know the Democratic Party have already been trying to attract those Romneyites or whatever mm. you know the centrists for 20 years it's like the Clintons Dukakis sure. how long is it you know god damn it's 30 35 40 years that's been the game so like the one thing that I've heard very few people talking about, I think, like since the, the January the 6th, that everybody's talking about, like, will it split the Republican Party? And I think there's a very, very good chance it could split them or it could push them into like like wilderness. Like like if they purge, if the Republicans purge, their party might lose a whole load of seats. Like literally there could be another party, but that that might mean it'll bring the Democrats up in some of these places that used to be red strongholds. You know, you split the vote. But look at the dynamics. It's not like the, the Democratic Party is just going to sweep it all up and everything is rosy. Mm. Like the, the actual dynamic of purging the, the Republicans is more likely to lead. Sorry. Yeah. And the split of the Republicans is more likely to lead into a split of the Democrats for like for two reasons. Like one, the, the kind of progressive Democrats will go. The, you know these these crazy the crazy Trumpite crew have, have managed to do it and they've set a party up and they're going and they're winning stuff we should do that right so like it's in their interest right but two like probably more importantly this the democrats do not want to be a party of power like they don't want to have like 70 percent of the vote or 70 percent of the house of representatives because they've no one to blame yeah, so like absolutely so internally they'll they'll split so more than mm. likely, if you see the split on the on the Republican side, who knows what will happen there? Like, um, it, it will lead to a a, a a concurrent split on the other side, and that could be the death of either of those two parties and something new. Like, like I've been arguing with Varn for years. Like he always says, you know, would like you know, it's in legislation. Like, and there's these laws, and you have to be from this party and that party. Like. All that shit goes up in the air when things go up in the air. Like sure. all of that, that stuff works up until it doesn't work. And then it's just like, poof, and you have a new system and it'll, it'll come true. So I think that like, uh, that's one thing I, I expect out of it. Um, but if I was putting, I don't know, if I was putting money on it, I kind of think the Republicans politically would do better by staying with Trump than splitting yeah. the Trump eye thing off them. I and agree. I think you're more likely to see the the Trump, uh, the Republican Party becoming a smaller party, but basically really, really goddamn right wing. But I don't know. Like, it depends on what happens. Like, it does depend on the next couple of months on political decisions, mm. I think, to some extent. But that, that'd, be my, that'd be my bet, you know. But I don't know. The bourgeoisie seem to be purging. Like, they are literally, like, the bourgeoisie, the, like, the big bourgeoisie, have made a move in that they've literally gone after Trump on all these platforms. They've gone after a number of people on all these platforms and kicked them out and purging. So that looks like that the you know when the bourgeoisie are they make a decision. They basically made a decision. They said up until now, yeah, grand boys, grand, we're all right. And then now it's like, all right, that's too much. 
like actual system in getting to a little bit too close to disarray for us we make a move so maybe the pressure will come but you know politically like you know politicians are scumbags let's get this straight you know what <laughs> i mean like like they don't they don't believe in anything like they're kind of they're kind of generically lefty or generically right and then they're in the party and then whatever works you know whatever works so like the political dynamic within the republican party like maybe they get funding cut 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 from all these different places but the political dynamic might still outweigh that kind of economic funding dynamic to some extent so they might actually think well i'm more likely to get like elected as a trumpite even if you don't have any money like mm -hmm. and that's the way these people think like they don't have you know they have like yeah they may have like you know ideological stuff but like overarchingly it's like it's a it's a careerist type of politician game when you get down to it so god damn it who knows i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> so okay i guess like let's let's do a little alternate history where democratic <laughs> party does split somehow some way do you do you see there being any room for anything uh beyond like social democracy or something like that not yet no no sure yeah mm -hmm. no I, I, honestly no i like if you if you look at say after like say all like i love the whole jimmy door scandal stuff going on like i think that's brilliant right but most telling me from it it's like who's the person who is basically did the most damage nearly to the democratic party since the bernie thing fell apart it was a kind of a green party normie ex-democrat progressive -y, comedian -y type guy right like he's not a socialist he's not even he's probably not even a sock dem he's probably just what you'd call like a, a progressive you mm. know could we all not just get along type of politics uh even if he does scream and curse into the into his uh uh youtube account but like i think like and I, I think that's telling that it's come from him like and in in that like where all these lefties have gone like oh the dsa they've all gone in like like decent marxists decent anarchists anarchists joining the party what what the hell is that about right yeah Oh, oh, we've. Oh, God, we lost Dan. Dan. Oh, Panic. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. The purge has begun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I keep going. I keep going. Yeah. So, Please. so what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, like, they went into the DSA, fucking MLs, Stalinists, like, soccer. Everybody's gone in there. And what, like, all this great stuff about the DSA, DSA, DSA. And when the force the vote thing came on, they basically said, Essentially, like uh, Jimmy Dore is damn correct. He said, Well, we would be for it, only Jimmy Dore was a bit mean, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's like, you know, with the DSA, we are going to organize, we're going to get democratic socialism, we're going to read the Jacobin, man, we're going to read the Jacobin, and they're going to tell us about how to do it, right? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, he said, Well, you know, lads, Jimmy Dore was he, he said the f bomb a few times, so. I don't think we can actually go and fight and, and, and encourage people to fight uh, in the politics, which makes me, uh, leads me to believe like that uh, the dominant counter force to uh, the Democratic Party establishment is, there's Dan, the, the dominant uh, county, uh, the counter, counter force, the Democratic establishment is kind of like 
ex-democratic slash green part adjacent normie progressives and it's not like marxists like with any kind of a an idea of a party uh that's not some kind of annoying sect with crap politics and probably a sex scandal or two waiting to explode <laughs> you know what i mean sure yeah yeah Fame, famed friend of the people jacobin yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we um, for the for the we're in the Emancipation Network, the the podcast. I mean, there's a few of us we group together, and we we pitched together to put an ad into Jacobin Magazine, and they they put it in the la in the one after Bernie like basically tanked. We put one in. Oh my up you guys but uh, we put it, <laughs> and you know where they put it was is they put it into basically the crease. So you, literally, you couldn't read something because it was in the crease. That's honestly pretty awesome. <laughs> At least they know you're, you're, you're their ideological enemy kind of thing. They know how to... Yeah. You're being treated like an enemy, which is perhaps like... It was nearly worth the money just to get that. Just to get like two fingers on them. Like $400. And then they just like, let's put them in the crease where you'll have to like cut your, your issue in half to find out who these guys are. <laughs> Um, that that kind of leads me into a bit of a like a different kind of question is that like I know I certainly like used to be quite a bit of a lib you know what I mean like I don't know growing up I was like always like you know the left of the Democratic Party you know what I mean and yeah. it was just like me too. and stuff yeah, yeah so yeah so I kind of want to know like the the kind of path that brought you to uh, the righteous path so to speak. You know what I mean? Because like I, I know there was definitely a time where I was reading Jacobin and I was like, this is the real deal and like Tribune and all that stuff. And I was like, wow, this is some radical stuff. You know, um, what what was what was kind of the impetus for you to kind of break with that? Uh, like like Dan, you came from a political part, a political kind of household, did you? Sure. Yeah. But I still would. It was probably still closer to being liberal than it was to being. I don't know how, I, I mean, I suppose it was rhetorically socialist or like I grew up in Bolton and there's quite a well-established socialist club there. So like we would go there and as a kid, I would go there kind of thing. So I was, and it was like a bit of Lenin on the wall. And like, I was sort of introduced to all of these kind of like symbols. Um, but I don't actually know what kind of education in their meaning that I got, if that makes any sense. Like it was probably still, I mean, my mum was in the Green Party and stood as a Green Party candidate and at one point I stood as like a Green Party council to be a councillor for the Green Party. Um I didn't know that. Oh my God. So and I, I think Juicy. Um, yeah. <laughs> Write that yeah. down. All the all the all the dark past is coming out of it on my list for when I'm sent to the gulag. Um, <laughs> yeah. It'll be a green gulag, though. With yeah, yeah. they'll be fine. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Solar panels. That might be quite it. nice. That might be quite yeah. nice. If I just yeah, could. Like, like tender community garden, yeah. do plenty of reading, kind of thing, maybe some yoga. It'd be nice. It'd be nice. That's all I want, really. And then, and, <laughs> and then, and then your Stalinist re-education on top. Yeah, 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 yeah. Half of the day. Half of the yeah. Day. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I think mine was decided the liberal background, and it took quite a long time to break that. Or if if it was broken, it kind of veered into quite a utopian space, I suppose. Like I sort of knew what uh, I knew, I had desires for a socialist or communist future, mostly as personal ones, but I wouldn't it be so much cooler if like, um, I didn't have to sort of toil under the system or if I could like be free in some kind of abstract understanding of the word free kind of thing. Um, but didn't really have any way to connect that to a political project. Um, 
So I think even so, I suppose even when I was like had a more of a sense of like willingness to declare myself um, something that wasn't liberal, I suppose it was still didn't necessarily have a politics attached to it. And I would imagine the politics, if it was so for a while, I suppose I was like um, rhetorically anti um, parliamentary to some extent, or like toyed played with like the idea of left communism. Um, Again, because it's kind of like the. Oh no, we've lost him. Oh God, panic. We'll never know. As far as we know, Dan's still a left gum. Jack, your uh, audio is kind of a bit juttery to me there. Is it all right? Is it all right here? If I'm closer? No, it's kind of like. Uh... Oh my God. Okay, hang on. Hang on. Let me, let me sort some stuff out. Mm. How, how are we sounding here? Yeah, sound is shit. Sick. Awesome. <laughs> um, well, you know, well, as we always say, we'll just fix that in post. No, there it is. That's it. Uh, it's back now. It's when it's you back kicked now. Out. Yeah, Dan. It's when you kicked out Dan, it just suddenly improved. Lesson <laughs> oh, for you there. Yeah, There's no a lesson kidding. for you, Jack. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, Dan, here's the right link. Um, well, if I'm sounding okay, we'll continue. Yeah. We'll get we'll we'll get back with Dan's story when he comes back. But I did, I just kind of want to know, like for you, yeah. what was the, what was the so change? Like, the reason I was asking Dan, because I don't know if Dan is, Dan is older than you. He's closer sure. to my age. And uh, like, but, but he grew up in kind of, he was exposed to this stuff. Me, I wasn't exposed to any of this stuff at all. Mm. So like I had like a friend of mine who was an anarchist in the like late 90s or something like that. A couple of friends. But, you know, uh, they weren't particularly, they were kind of in the scene but not very political. So when I talked to him about the politics, uh, I would find, I would, I just, uh, I just didn't. Yeah. Use, I just wasn't, I wasn't in the brain space for it. Sure. But well, what kind uh, of politics were they talking? Were they talking like Kropotkin? Were they talking like Bookchin? Uh, no, they were more talking about kind of like, how you done? They're more talking about like uh, joining, uh, like going to like, was it, uh, where was that place initially where they all got their heads kicked in? Uh, <laughs> Which time? <laughs> Uh, which time the one for in the late 90s there was like the world uh, g8 meeting or something was it oh, um, sure. dan do you remember like in italy some there was like some massive like you know in these like what was the one in seattle what was that one called you know the one where everybody they're just yeah just meetings of the g8 or the g20 yeah there, yeah, the one in, in, yeah there was one there was in one in northern in, italy was it yeah, and then basically they all got their heads kicked in when they went there to it like so they were into that type of stuff so but like i, I wasn't <laughs> really I would always be, you know, what I got into, like, I had no exposure to any intellectual writing, you know, the only, even though I went to college and all that, it was so apolitical in the 90s, especially in Ireland. Like, in Ireland, you were either, like, into the IRA, you know, and Sinn Féin, like, that was it, or you were just an army. Like, there was, there was essentially nothing else that I, I was ever exposed to. And even in, even in college, where you think you could be, like, I used to go to all the debating societies, Never once heard the word. So I mean, literally, I never once heard the word socialism or communism. You know, mm -hmm. uh, so I wasn't exposed to anything at all. What do you put that up to? That you that that was just not a not a scene. I just think it was the po it was the nineties, man. The Soviet <laughs> Union fell. Everybody yeah. who thought that stuff was just like depressed. You know, <laughs> it. You know, and in Ireland, like the politics. Net. You know, not. Not really since the like the twenties or the you know, the tens, nineteen tens and twenties, was there like a radical social element. So it was basically just like 
are you like an establishment party or uh, maybe a slight like, like to put it into context, the Labour Party in Ireland was only would only ever get 10 percent of the vote. There was two right wing parties and they would get like about 40 percent each. Then there was like some like, you know, IRA heads and maybe one percent or two percent might be the workers party or something like that. So there was it was not a thing unless you were like in very particular areas, would you know anything about it? So I used to like I found the Economist magazine one time. I started reading. I was like, "Wow, this is nearly like like intellectual stuff." And I kind of <laughs> I used to read it like, and I was like, and, and even though I, 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 it, I, it would confuse me that they would be so wrong in some things. They'd be so obvious. <laughs> like I remember they're, they're writing on on Chavez in Venezuela, and I'd been to Venezuela just like backpacking. And I remember like thinking like, like they would literally call him a dictator. You're like, what? He, he won the elections, you know, and it would kind of it would, it would go into my head and I'd be like going, this is kind of weird. And then the 2008 crisis happened and then I went into a bookshop and I've just bought a load of books. And sure. I, I bought some right wing books. I just bought everything I thought that looked like it might be interesting. Like, so I bought like Hayek and I bought Marx and Chomsky and I just bought like randomly bought like Capital, you know, or something. And then I just set to reading all these books on my own. And then I was like, all right. And I, I read the right wing one first. I read Hayek first. I remember reading Hayek, you know, and he's like the big, he's like one of the big boys, you know, sure. the right. And uh, Constitutional Liberty. I literally just sold the book on eight books. I've gone through all my old books and getting rid of them and doing this Marie Kondo, cleaning the goddamn house out for the <laughs> And, you know, <laughs> it was very funny. This guy, it was like on the same day, I sold the Communist Manifesto and I sold the, com like I had a couple of copies of it. And I and I sold uh, the Constitution of Liberty by Hayek, and I went. The guy's name he had a kind of a strange name, so I, I just on the off chance my missus put him into like Google and just did a search on him, and it came up when you type the guy's name in, you know, like there's auto suggestion. So it was the guy's name, space, and the, the first auto suggestion was the Brexit Party. So there you go. <laughs> I, it turned out like, it was like a Brexit Party cancer, something like that. Yeah, our advisor to the Brexit Party. So he's only actually starting to read goddamn constitution. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, it was total rubbish as well. Like I, I, like I couldn't believe when I was reading that. I was like, going, those arguments are really some of the arguments. Like this is the best guy they have. Like these arguments are rubbish. And like then I think I went on and I, I read I read some Chomsky, and I was like, I, I found my brain being rewired. I was like, holy Christ, you know, like. Chomsky was like, and I, I'm not sure if I, I think I read Chomsky book first, which was just a simple one of his speeches. And I was like, holy fuck. And then I read, uh, I started reading Capital, and that was it. Like, you know, so I, I went from Hayek to Chomsky, and then I got the daddy, the daddy marks. And <laughs> that's, and then from there, like, uh, so I uh, like talking about an atomized, like, neoliberal capital i don't like the word neoliberal capitalist sure. individual uh like that's me you know and like somehow i managed to just randomly stumble onto yeah. capital and marx and some of this stuff now i think like if i was around nowadays i would definitely have been exposed to it by now but like this is probably 2008 when there was no left podcasts there was nothing left on the internet it was all it was all basically libertarian stuff absolutely 100% libertarian and uh just pure chance just just pure chance and now i'm a hardcore comedy podcast getting that comedy dollar <laughs> getting that comedy dollar yeah <laughs> oh god there's the noise oh nope we're good we're good we're good nobody panic
Um, I said, I, I, call me dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the call me dollars downloading. It's our version yeah, of Bitcoin. All right. Ooh, another one. Um, Dan and I have gone to have this conversation several times on the show, and we've never fully had it. One of these days we will. It's something along the lines of like, should we be calling ourselves communists? How much should we be sticking to like the general like hammer and sickle in the Twitter bio kind of stuff? You know what I mean? What do you think? Oh, look, you know, I don't like the hammer and sickle because <laughs> uh, um, there's still background noise there from Dan. Is there? Wait Are a minute. Wait a couple seconds. There's a little bit. Um, I wonder if I could like, mute myself until it's gone. Until I'm quickly oh it's gone i think it was i think it was gone anyway by the time we went to mute like, <laughs> yeah. yeah who knows fuck it i know i just thought <laughs> if you're recording then it'll drive you mad um yeah, well um uh, look i think certain symbols like let's talk about the symbol like the hammer and the sickle right um i think the hammer and sickle as a as a symbol can make sense say in india right sure where you have sure. a peasant class right but what does it mean to be a hammer and sickle in the UK or or in in America, where there's like it means Soviet Union is what it means. It, it actually means the Soviet Union, right? But when so as a as a part of, for the symbol, I think depending on the country, the hammer and sickle could be a decent symbol or not. I think in the West now it's a totally redundant symbol. It's literally just a callback to a previous time. And let's be honest, it's callback like would the hammer and sickle have been used in Germany or Britain if there was a communist revolution? I don't think so. Yeah, right? exactly. It's because exactly. it was an agrarian society at the time, and and the only way that they could actually manage to keep the seventeen revolution going was with a class compromise between, you know, initially a class compromise until we then sent you to the gulag, uh, because we want we want a surplus to industrialize. Where can we get it? All right, there's only peasants. Let's exploit the peasants and use them to build some machines. Yeah. So like that that was that was the case back in 1917. And I think you know it was a good symbol. But like and maybe today in India or maybe parts of Africa that still have large peasant communities, you know, rural workers communities. In Ireland, up until like the 50s or the 60s, it was probably still a good symbol. But today I think it's not a good symbol. Yeah. Calling yourself a communist, though, right? Like, I think absolutely. And the reason why I say that is like I used to think this. So like I think if you listen to my maybe, you know, eight, seven or eight years ago on the podcast, I might have said, oh, we need a rebranding or something. But like, like, look what happened like when when Biden beat uh, uh, Bernie Sanders. Right. Did did the Republicans say Joe Biden is a centrist Democrat or did mm. they act in their ads? Takaz, you actually call him a radical socialist. Right? <laughs> so if you're going to be called a radical revolutionary socialist or a communist, you might as well fucking be one. You know what That's I mean? That's absolutely true, yeah. 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 So I think like if you think like and I think on the other side of it as well is that like like you know people will ask you uh, but are, are you like a communist if you would call yourself, you know, like the workers union or something, right? You know, obviously somebody I'm not saying there aren't you all have to call yourself the communist this or the other. But like if you try and hide the thing that you're a communist, I think people will just kind of sniff it out anyway. You know, sure. and they, they definitely will because they'll have like the right wing going. These are crazy ass revolutionary communists, and you'd be like, if you've any under, like, I think politically you should be kind of going, yeah, brother. Yeah. You know, we're we're coming for you, and at least be seen as against the system. Mm. Because I think, if, I you know, the thing is, like, I think it's different as well today because there is no, 
like there is no gulags yeah yeah china is like who looks at china today and says it's communist you know they're billionaires in china you mm. know they're goddamn billionaires in china uh they you know they crack down on 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 strikes you know in china china is probably fairly akin to like 1950s britain you know mm. as in for state ownership <laughs> uh, uh with but it has a a different like one party system of rules so you have a system of party with factions as opposed to multiple bourgeois parties uh and you know there'd be different other differences but i'm just talking general structure if you're an alien coming down you would go it's just like like they have obviously they have the value form operating right going to get technical here <laughs> sorry <laughs> but it's like so they have the they have the value form They've got competition, they've got private ownership, and they've got state ownership. They've got some state control of private stuff, but not total, as in very, very far from total. You've got accumulation of capital. You've got the dynamics since the accumulation of capital is you've got, you've got the Chinese Communist Party going to the right. You don't have them going to the left. Like, I think it's plainly obvious. You had the same move in Vietnam. Uh, I don't know what the hell's going on in North Korea, having a clue, right? But like... <laughs> You know, you have that is the dynamic. Um, uh, if you were to look at it, I think you can see that, like the dynamic t that happened from all of the communist revolutions uh, globally in the like forties, the seventy, you know, whatever from the for, in the in the last century, most of them were in backward peasant uh, developmental countries. So backward. I'm not trying to be pejorative, but like, and they managed to industrialize their countries but they didn't like break the value form they didn't go towards communism socialism whatever they ended up basically being a developmental back into capitalism i think we're seeing that dynamic in china um you're more likely to get china going communist if there's a communist revolution in the west to be honest with you i think mm -hmm. the chance of an internal chinese revolution communism revolution are are, are very slim so i just think what was the question? What were we talking about? Sorry, I'm not yeah, about, well, should we call ourselves communists? No, we, we should call ourselves communists, but like the hammer and the sickle, I think, is an outdated symbol. That's the way, sure. it, and also, like, yeah, like the thing I was trying to get to, I know it took me a long <laughs> time, but there's no external, like, the, 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 the term communist in the 50s in America was like, or the 60s, basically thought you were a Stalinist, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. In 20, 30 years, Stalin is going to be the equivalent, right, to Napoleon in World War One or Two. People are going, Napoleon, oh, the short bloke with the funny hat, right? Like Stalin is going to be that dude with the moustache, you know, mm. and those videos where they have him dancing now. <laughs> have you seen those ones where they have put Stalin <laughs> singing to this AI and they have like some like pop song and Stalin sings the AI pop song? I haven't, but it sounds classic. It sounds really classic. <laughs> but that's where Stalin, Stalin's going to be like, like short man uh, Napoleon in a while. Sure. And he won't have that like kind of core resonance of an attack. So communists, you know, I think is a term that we should, uh, I, th I think you should have run with it, like Marxist sure. communists, but like, uh, I, but that doesn't mean I think like, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. There's a lot of MLs out there who just think what we need, like Daddy G is brilliant. So like yeah. you are going to be come. You know, like the thing is, the politics is, you know, disparate. Look at the attack on the the attack, the attack on Capitol Hill. Like, 
How many factions are in there? You know, how hmm. many factions were in 1917 in Russia? How hmm. many factions were in like China in 1948 or whatever? Like there's always factions, you know, but like that's not a reason to not call yourself communist, I think. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Take the term back. <laughs> I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I think, um, yeah, my general thing is just to use it and in the process of using it, like redefine it kind of thing or like claim it for yourself and then give it its meaning kind of thing. Or just to say you're a communist with a straight face sometimes works wonders because people are like, oh, okay, fair enough kind of thing. That's been my, more my experience than the times that I've decided to take that strategy kind of thing than, uh, than to hide it mm. kind of thing. Yeah, like all, all my old, all my friends I went to college with now, like, and they know I'm a communist. I'm sure they just think I've lost the plot. <laughs> Sometimes you are just people's wacky communist friend kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it doesn't create space for you to like for them to turn to you for answers. Kind of thing. Yeah, let's mm. not ask Tom or Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you about the value. How the, tell you about how the value form operates in China. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, Dan, did you, did you have anything else? Tommy, don't want to keep you too long. What do you got, Dan? Um, I had two kind of questions. One was going to be about your general sort of research project for Alpha from Alpha to Omega, because it sort of really started out as this kind of, although you interviewed people um, with political questions in mind, it was so much more focused on like interviewing Marxist economists and other sort of heterodox economists and uh, sort of MMT types. And it feels like it's made this transition to being more political, whether that's like a, a thing that you've just sort of settled that question for yourself and you've sort of moved or made this like now being involved with the emancipation network it sort of led you into different areas kind of thing um i don't know whether that was a conscious thing um uh, what i would say oh you're back dan i'm back. muting you i'm muting you dan yeah, yeah um yeah no that's a good good question do you know what do you know what dan like a, a big a big lot of it is that when i start doing the like it's it's very difficult for me to get the time to do research on like individual economic topics or books and interview somebody about a paper and stuff like that. It's a big like amount of effort. I, remember, I was listening to your your podcast in the middle of the the past decade, I suppose, and um, your podcast would come on like monthly kind of thing. And I remember there were times where I'm like, "When's Tom going to come up with a new podcast?" Kind of thing? <laughs> not to not to like guilt you for the amount of work that it took because clearly you interviewed different people and you had to do a huge amount of reading for all of those interviews kind of thing and they were all really sort of fascinating and engrossing kind of thing well that, that's it like what i find as a like like what am i what i'd like to do like is to like i find the reading groups that we do is more political work and like we that entails us like reading one book which is not that much right but then we discuss about it now i have a lot of you know you have editing you know you know, you're editing 45 episodes on, you know, a 200 page book, you know, <laughs> insane, a revolutionary strategy. So like, but for me personally, it, 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 it kind of works as a podcaster to create content. So there's that, like if I was full time on it and my Patreon was like, actually giving me average industrial wage and I could actually uh, do, I would like to be doing more of the kind of in-depth discussion on a particular paper or, uh, an author of a particular book that'd be my that'd be my preference um but uh so yeah like i do think you, you kind of cotton on to stuff like you know if you if you look at like the the part the old episodes of the podcast essentially track my political development as well you know like some kind of like looking at permaculture and mmt and whatever was around at the time and a bit of marx because i happened to be reading marx and then as you get into marx you just go down off this 
crazy like <laughs> route off into obscure uh, <laughs> debates with Shrafian economists yeah. <laughs> shit about yeah where i'm actually stuck in my own head at the moment reading papers but uh there's more to come on that so we're actually going back and a deep dive into that stuff hopefully i keep saying it but it's like it takes me so much so much time you find the time yeah, yeah but <laughs> well, like i would like to be doing absolutely more of that but yeah like it is you know it's just it's just very difficult to get the time to read all this stuff you know another thing i would say is like uh when you have a kid and like you have a job and i'm home educating it's very hard to get time so like you know i would love like my kid to be four years older yeah <laughs> If uh, if I had like a full like I have a, a wage off Patreon and uh, I would be doing it like a lot more intensive stuff, but it's just what I can manage. But um, I do think like I have kind of essentially come to terms with like the role of MMT because that was something that struck me. Like you read Capital uh, and it's all about gold, and it's all you know the stuff on money in there is to me like uh, you know and in the MNT stuff was kind of around the internet at the same time. You know, he would even, even on Max Kaiser, you get goddamn MMT. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, uh, God, I haven't seen Max Kaiser. Wait, what, what's happened? What's become with Max Kaiser? I don't know. He's trying to sell somebody gold somewhere, aren't you? He's like Derek Barron's evil twin brother. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I must say that to him. Uh, <laughs> that's a new one. Right down. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> But I do think like the MNT stuff is it was I found interesting. I think you know um, it's amazing now because apparently there's this like critical theory MMT school, yeah. and they're applying like critical theory writing to MMT. And it, it, apparently, it was inspired by one of my shows. <laughs> Congratulations! The, the guy's name like. It, it rang a bell to me. I was like, God, I've recognized that name from somewhere. And I went into my Google Mail and I was checking around. I did a search and I found out. And some he'd left a comment in one episode saying, this is the episode that really turned me on to this stuff. I was like, God damn it, I'm responsible for this shit show. But, uh, <laughs> so it's like, um, the MMT stuff is very interesting, I think. like I think there is uh, resistance between Marxists deal with paper money and to actually get a t proper theory of it and in marks uh I've done a close reading again of chapter one i don't think there's anything in there that rules out paper money uh and certainly in the tssi getting technical now but the temporal single system the the climate and and that school's like interpretation of what marx was saying which i think is correct not going to say anymore that's just correct all these other value form stuff and all these other shrafian stuff is just mind-bendingly bad interpretations of what Marx read. <laughs> you just, you cannot, you like, the fact that some of these people have respectable careers is just mind-boggling <laughs> to me, you know, the, as a as a layman, and you get into, you get into these in, in, indecipherable arguments, and you get down to the end of it, and you're like, that that's their point? that That's their actual point? It took me four years to get to this? That's the <laughs> point? And then you're like, Fuck's sake, right? So, um, <laughs> so you, you've put MMT to bed because you're sick of reading all of these other bad takes on, oh no, on, on Marx and the value no, form. No, and the, I, <laughs> I, know, I just feel like that there is the MMT uh, analysis of the operations of money and floating currencies is correct. That's mm -hmm. what I would say. But when you get to the politics of MMT and you get to this stuff, it, it's 
it's basically just sock them all over the over uh-huh. again. Uh-huh. You know that there is nothing radical, like well, unless you want to call the New Deal radical. I suppose it's kind of a break from capitalist orthodoxy, right? But you're not going to get no communist revolution. You're not going to get the end of value form relations. You're not going to get the end of capital versus um, uh, labor. What you can do probably is get a uh, reducing crisis out of it, but economic crisis. But what it'll end up doing is shifting the focus of capitalist crisis from uh, economic crisis to into the political sphere. Okay, because the actual the end game, if you follow the logic of MMT, right, the end game is a system whereby you end up having capitalist planned government. Mm-hmm. That's the end game, right? Because the rate of profit is going to be coming in and it's going to be cutting into the rate of profit and firms are going to become uh, more unstable. You'll have a distribution of firms. Say if the average rate of profit is 2%, right? right? Half, of the, half of your normal distribution of profit for firms will be in the negative. They'll be losing money and the other half will be making money. So the state would have to come in and basically purchase up excess from the lose-making ones, right? So you end up with the state deciding basically to give a certain nominal amount of profit to certain capitalists, right? That's the end game. So what does that mean for politics? That means that you have essentially a system whereby you've capitalist state planning and the capitalists, that the state is essentially just guaranteeing a, a percentage of the, the share of output to a certain class for no reason like their sure. dynamic, their profit or anything. It's just literally, you own the stuff Therefore, we guarantee you a certain amount of proportion of production. That's that's the end game of MMT. Now, MMT never incorporates value theory or the falling rate of profit. So it just tro- it just basically just sweeps that, put that under the curtain, <laughs> under the curtain there, and we won't discuss that. We'll just talk about job guarantees and the ability to, for the state to do stuff. That's the end game. So what does that mean? Like that means that in the end, the state is just deciding. Uh, these people get a certain return investment regardless of their efficacy, efficiency in the capitalist system of accumulating capital, you'll end up with a, a reduction in the need for competition, the drive for uh, increase in productivity. And you'll have a, it'll have this effect of actually showing to people, oh, uh, this is the class war. These people are just picking winners. They're just saying, oh, because you... Because your father was a winner, we now will guarantee you more more income than this other guy down the road for no other reason than you, your father owned the stuff. So we're going to guarantee that you your class will own that forever. So, like that will just transplant. It puts the political, uh, the economic battle to the the political. But like the fact that it would even ever get there, it would never even get to that extent. Because what would they, what would capital in reality do? They would do something different. They will do something like offshore production from China into Mong, into into Mozambique. Yeah, there's loads of places they can still go. You know, and like so, it's and it's only an answer for imperialist countries. Like I'd love to see the day Botswana decided to do MMT. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, Max Thatcher. Okay, we're printing our own sovereign currency. Yeah, Margaret Thatcher's son would be back there launching (laughs) back by Boris. You know, like that's the reality of it. Like, and and like the lack of an internationalism in it is like a a, a critique of imperialism is like it's it's 
you know, these people are want to be policy. The people who are into MMT, a lot of them may be lefties, but actually what they are is people who want to be into policy and they're kind of careerists. They want to be Bernie's advisor. Like, imagine, like, my crappy podcast had Stephanie Kelton, who could be Bernie's fucking economic advisor. Mm -hmm. um, I'd have a, I'd have a direct line, direct line to the White House, lads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what could have been? Oh, the power that you could wield. Yeah. Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> oh dear, yeah. So that was a long answer. Sorry about that, Dan. That was, that was great. It was great. It was great. It sounds. It's almost reminded. It felt reminiscent of um, to some extent the way. Um, the current Tory government is propping up the profits of all of its mates by sort of giving them all these government bungs kind of thing. It's the same action by a different means kind of thing. Absolutely. And do you know why they can do it? Like, they couldn't do that to the same extent in the 80s. Like, mm -hmm. like in Ireland, it was Ireland was so corrupt. Like, when growing up in Ireland, there's just corruption scandals all over the place. Like, our prime minister had, he had 50 million euros worth, this is in the 90s, of unexplained income. Like the guy, <laughs> the guy literally bought a couple of islands off the south coast. Like he owned islands. Like he's on a prime minister's salary of like a hundred grand. He's buying like five million pound islands. Like and putting like endangered rare deer into them. And you're like, what's going on here? Well, Boris Johnson must be jealous because he's complaining about how he can't live on his prime minister's income. Isn't he? So. Seriously, but like you, you look at the effect of what Corbyn thing did, right? It basically now. The Labour Party now is is divided like the Republican Party. It's not the party of Blair. It's like it'll have it has a it's pretty similar. It's interesting to see the dynamics that you have the same kind of tiny bit of progressive Labourites, and then you have a massive just lump of corporate Labourites. And uh but the but the but the 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 people who support the party don't like their the actual MPs, you know. And I think the same in Democratic Party, people are much to the left of the representatives. But like the fact that Corbyn fluked, you know, he, he, he picked a winning lottery ticket. Somebody, so like it's like somebody just fell over. He just fell over into the le the leadership, uh, you know, of the Labour Party. But it was it was actually seen as a serious threat. And you saw all of the the media. They actually didn't come down on him too hard the first time because they just thought he'll he'll do nothing. Yeah, he'll just get smashed. But like the second time in the second election, they just went for him. Like they went for him so hard. Every every paper, there was no paper. Was it the was the Daily Mirror? Or wasn't even that, like was it the Morning Star? It was, yeah, it was like literally the, the Morning Star. Star. Like you know, an actual communist paper was the only one that supported them. And uh, like since then, like the Tories, they know they can do whatever they like, right? Because nobody wants to allow like the risk of the Labour Party in while the mood in the Labour Party is in a certain state. So literally, they've got carte blanche to go and be as corrupt, openly, openly corrupt. Like, uh, it's kind of nearly like America. You know, America has been openly corrupt for quite a while. But like, in, when you were growing up, Dan, British politics wasn't openly corrupt like it is now. Do you, do you think that's true? Um, I mean, I've, I've heard it said that like local politics has always been very corrupt in the UK or like at least for the Blair years kind of thing, mostly with like... Um, housing sort yeah. of property development that kind of thing like mm -hmm. all of your councillors are also all of the biggest landlords in the town kind of thing um but to the sense that it was so that it was present at the highest sort of like echelons of the government kind of thing um but not so blatant it's not definitely not so blatant as it is now kind of thing 
I am forgetting the Iraq War. Let me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forget that. Wow. <laughs> oh dear. All right. Well, uh, Dan, anything else? For, for um, I don't know. I would. I mean, I, I had written down revolutionary strategy, but that's a big kind of words to open that book. <laughs> and also, a Could general. You just give us of... a quick summary. <laughs> very good book. Oh, yeah, 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 I think yeah. I've started reading. I haven't read it all. I'm very yeah. excited to dig yeah. into it. Partly very because good. it does it does fill that gap between kind of like what I was describing before before I was rudely interrupted by my internet connection. Um, that gap between like utopian politics and then mm. having something practical to do. Like it's it's it, to some extent at least like it puts in place some metrics of filling that void kind of thing. Whether it's the entire answer, I don't know, but like. Uh, yeah, I'm keen mm. to get into it. I don't know whether you had any general takeaways that you'd come away from that reading kind of thing without telling us the entire of the book. Kind of thing. <laughs> Maybe you set out. Yeah, yeah. I ramble for 14 minutes. <laughs> long That's how I do it. That. That's how I do it. <laughs> so anyway, permaculture. No, um, <laughs> Tell us about China. Yeah, China. I love China. So, um, uh, you know, the revolution, I just actually released uh, another couple of episodes today for uh, for interviewed Mike McNair about about this stuff but I think it's an excellent strategy you know like I did a, I, I worked as a I was a professional poker player for a while and like you do game theory and you like just actual goddamn strategy nuts and bolts of strategy and like uh forces counter forces balancing your your attacks with your defenses and all this kind of stuff uh and you read like all the all the major like common like lefty uh, existing strategies out there now of entryism and all this type of stuff, and I just think they're all like uh, pretty poorly thought out strategies, to be honest. Um, and I think that book is uh, gives a very good uh, depiction of what a communist strategy could be. A successful one um you know just the idea of building up your forces uh slowly at, over a great enough area that you'd be able to defend it like a continent also um making sure that it's highly di de uh, democratic unlike a lot of the communist movements have been kind of amazingly i think you know, the movement should be prefigurative um not that McNair, I suppose he do get into a bit of that, but um, and uh, what what else? Um, sorry, one I, second. I found it I found it interesting when I was listening to the beginning of that episode that you just put out, where McNair was talking about kind of like the difference between like entryism and also like going where the movement is. I, I thought it was really interesting hearing him talking about that. You know, it's like you don't pick you know where the movement's beginning. You know. Yeah, like, and we got into kind of an argument about some stuff that went, I think it's into the next episode as well. And it's kind of like, I, I agree with you. You have to go where people are. But like at this stage, like people have learned a lesson about it. And if you ask me, I think people should have learned the lesson now, the people that were there. And it's like, you know, these parties are unreconcilably sure. bourgeois and your enemy. That's the way I look. You look at the Democratic Party and you see like, what would it actually take? Because I think that those parties and the Labour Party, I think they've shown with Corbyn, they prefer to implode. Yeah. They, like, they are like, you know, kamikaze pilots. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. They're like, screw communism, and they fly straight <laughs> into the ship. You know, that's what they would do to you. You know, I genuinely think that, like, mm-hmm. but like, if they are there, you have to, like, if, if there was a big surge of people into it, you go, okay. Like, I do think as well, like, there's, there's, there needs to be some empirical work. It's something I talked about uh, trying to organize with the Emancipation Network, if I get a chance. Like, empirical research on the effect of entryism. Like, where, where on earth has it worked? Like, yeah. where? I'm, I don't know anywhere on the planet that entryism has worked. Like, I mean, literally, I can't think of any example where I would say, now that's, that's, that's entryism done well and that worked. Like, unless you're talking about, like, you know, Trump into the uh, Republican <laughs> Party. Maybe you can say that. <laughs> yeah. But, like, that's a different thing. You're talking about left entryism has got different barriers than a right winger. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, yeah, I think the entryism, like that, that was, that's very interesting stuff. Like, I think I'm, I, I think I'm a bit more hardcore against entryism than Mike McNair is. I think that he, but he's a part of a political party. So he has to, he is torn sure. political line as well a bit. So, mm. yeah. Like in one of your earlier episodes, you bought up just like a very like nice question about like, some people have kind of like noticed strains of volunteerism in, in things you wrote. How do you respond to that? And he's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I thought that was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no i yeah uh, like because i get all these uh, everybody all the panelists give me all these questions to ask so i basically have to like uh, <laughs> ask each get the whole problem no um, well that, there's like, another like 100 episodes interviewing mike mandara in the bag for you that's it you yeah. get hold of him and sit him down like, yeah um no i do think though that like n- no joke and i like uh you know like when you talk with all these experts, you talk with climate and economic economics, or you talk with Mike McNair and, and all this stuff, like, you know, as, as my own point of view is like, I don't agree with them all and everything. Like, I just think that, you know, and you might think one person is brilliant at one thing and they're bad and the other thing. Well, one thing I would say about Mike McNair, I do think he's uh, a creature of the sects, you know, undoubtedly, like, like in the book, he will bring up, you know, and the AWL did this and like, <laughs> you know, Nobody in England even know who's the AWL. <laughs> like, do you know who the AWL is, Dan? The Alliance for Workers' Liberty. Yeah, they were yeah. around in like the 2010 student movement kind of thing. Like, but like, I've never I've met some people who were adjacent to them, I suppose. But like, and then I I've not had a lot of dealing with those kind of sex in general. So fortunately, I think all three of us have not gone yeah, through like, that route of like <laughs> being yeah. in a Trotskyist sect kind of thing. <laughs> burnt. Yeah, come out the other side. Other side, either burnt, you know, or or a true believer. Well, like, it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like like Mike is in that world. He's lived his life in the world of the the Trotskyite sects or the CPGB and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. like, I think, like, he has more emphasis on the political. To be honest with mm-hmm. you, he wants to like, unite that collection of sects to some extent, does he not? All right. Yeah, I think they like most. Of, yeah, I. He thinks like that, you know, you can get a, a movement like the, you can you can get a snowball effect by getting people together. And mm-hmm. honestly, I think that more the effect of the sects um, like that in in kind of capitalist societies in the West over the last 50 years is it's kind of like keeping the flame alive to some extent. But I think when the flame becomes alive, they'll all get put out and hopefully like in, in a positive way, I hope that mm-hmm. happens. We get something new and not like. Uh, there's a real like 
they're all kind of freeze frames of the time when they split with the other group that they used to be part of kind of thing. And so much of their tactics is built around this kind of like, we broke with so-and-so and they do this thing, so we do this thing kind of thing. And there's not, there's no sort of alive, there's no development happening that's sort of organic and living and present kind of thing from, yeah. my, from what I can see. Yeah, and the memberships are old, getting older. Um, sure. And not doing a good job i don't see like uh, some of them of attracting anybody so like i think that we can definitely use the intellectual uh, work of some of these people who've done brilliant work over the years and try to synthesize whatever but so i think that this idea of just like joining like 15 separate like little marxist groups into one thing i think like the ones that exist there some of them are so non-functional dysfunctional is like that there's maybe if you had like 5,000 like actual good Marxists in the UK joined together and formed something real that that aren't just like sects going into maneuver, you know, how many of these sects are actually operated by goddamn, uh, you know, MI, MI6? Like, <laughs> you know, no joking, you. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd say like quite a few of them are. Yeah. Are, are actually their their essential committees are literally just like MI five talking to each other. <laughs> what can we do that will fuck up everything? Ah, oh, yeah. Um, so like, I don't think too much will come from them. And I think that the the what like if you were to get five thousand people together to do something to get a a snowball effect. Um, now I know Mike says that things happen in Italy and stuff. You know, with uh, I can't remember the movement he said. Um, the recon, Refund, yeah. refundazione, refundazione yeah. Or something, yeah. yeah, refundazione, and like, uh, I think that can happen. Uh, probably more likely to happen somewhere like Italy, to be honest, because they actually had a proper radical uh, compared to England. Like they had sure. a proper radical uh, stuff in living memory as well for a lot of people. Um, there's not, there's been nothing equivalent in England. Um, so I, I, I think that it, while it might be able to happen somewhere like Italy the chance of it actually happening in England from the existence, the existing left, I find is in next to 0%, uh, Mm -hmm. I think. Like, how many Marxist organisations in the UK are there, do you reckon? Is there 10, 20? It's probably 20 or something, isn't there? Possibly, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Communist Party of Great Britain, one, two, three, four, five. There's like... (laughs) Three three socialist parties. (laughs) Yeah, Socialist Workers Alliance for Fridges. You know, there's like... (laughs) There's a hundred of these different things, right? Um, uh, uh, God, what was I going to say? How many of them are worth anything? Like, how many of them do you think would aid an mm-hmm. actual new movement coming together? Mm-hmm. And, like, I would say statistically zero kind of mm-hmm. a thing. You know, like, on average, you know, you'd be zero. So I, I think that something has to be reborn and it has to come out of society fairly much i think the young people like people are jack's age are much you know it's going to come from you know it's not going to come from like what age and it's you- not going to come from you i hate to say my my wizard 31 years dan is 55 i yeah i feel like 55 like i'm 43 <laughs> right my generation is a total wipeout like they're just useless <laughs> absolutely mm. useless mm. like you're more likely to get radical people who are 80 i think than you are to get sure yeah, 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 yeah my generations is just a wash you know so it's like it has to come from like jack and below yeah mm-hmm. jack and I mean. below 
yeah yeah <laughs> i will it, i will say dan dan and i right now are uh in the midst of doing a couple episodes not on brain of the firm but on uh eden medina's cybernetic revolutionaries and we've just been kind of getting exposed to like those ideas there um and there's a man that stuff is so like dan and i were just saying when we, when we read the book it's just so exciting just like new ideas about like organizing things that it doesn't just come from like communist party central planning it was like oh my god new ideas right i mean not really new but like new to me <laughs> like 50 years old <laughs> yeah. wow look at that <laughs> yeah like literally the cybernetics is like was a norbert wiener in like 19 19- 53 or 56 like it's yeah. literally 65 years old and we like read it <laughs> wow it's so fresh you know exactly you know like and it sounds cool as well i think it's got mm-hmm. some like cool attached cool to it. it'll sell, it'll sell. Yeah, like, <laughs> the, the, the cyber it'll sell the cyber there will be no value for him dan what you meant to say is that it, it, there will be an increase in the number of youth values. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but like it's uh, it's like the cybernetic stuff is brilliant. Like, and uh, I think like the GIU boys, the general intellect unit guys have been doing the reading group of the brain of the firm. I would recommend everybody to buy that book and read it. Sure. Like nice. I've been reading, I've been half-assed doing it. I, I joined in on a couple of the, the reading groups, but like that stuff is brilliant, right? And we should be building our party structures based on cybernetic principles, right? It's To me, it seems like it's a brilliant way of synthesizing like what people, like the general, like anarchists look at uh, Marxists and go, uh, you like the tyranny of these like central committees and like they're goddamn right. They're just, yeah just they're all a, just a joke all these marxist organizations and then you have like the the marxists go to the anarchists and go oh well the t- the tyranny of structurelessness and like the marxists they're right you know you go to the <laughs> anarchist <laughs> clique there's all these people who are the cool ones and you say what happens right but to me it feels like like you know like nobody not anarchists today they don't like i don't think they are into the arguments about like the arguments between Kropotkin and uh, Marx are, you know, they're actually, that's kind of the level it's at. It's like, oh, I don't like structure. Oh, I do like structure. That's the kind of level that it's at. But like, so for me, like cybernetics is kind of like a synthesis where it says, okay, like we have elements of hierarchy and elements of decentralization and hierarchy itself is not, it's not like a, a like a power hierarchy. It's not like, I am more powerful of you. You do what I do. It's more like we have different functions within these and how they all interact to make a functioning organization. Because one thing you've got to say about all of the organizational forms that we see on the radical left, they're all like, I can't remember what, what, what the exact term, you know, like that he gave in cybernetics, the brain of the firm. It's just like, like they don't have like some of the core systems. Like literally, like you don't have system like four and five typically in the Marxist ones or something, or the anarchists they don't have probably four, three, four, <laughs> one, two, three, and four. You know, no, they have one. They don't have yeah, yeah. two, three, four, and five. And so they're both like like non-functional designs. They don't like they don't last. They don't move. They don't have their own. They're not dynamic. They're not dynamic, and they kind of adjust to to conditions. Yeah, and they're goddamn either are lacking any kind of kind of control systems, or they have control systems that are completely useless. You know, like in a in an ML kind of uh, sector, something like that. 
So I, I just think it's brilliant stuff. Look, there's so much good stuff out there. There's good stuff, folks. There is got good stuff. There's good stuff out there. You know, a lot of bad stuff though too. Sadly, there's so much shit. <laughs> there is so much shit. Beware people who talk about. Here's one thing. Beware people who talk about distribution. Right? If I, I yes, talk about absolutely agree. Seriously, they're your enemy. They're your, absolutely. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like that's a really good one. Like so. Like I was listening. I listened to. Some of I do listen to some of the big normie kind of left. I know, I know exactly where this is going. <laughs> Matt, Matt Chrisman on his live streams talking about how everything you know it's about you know everybody's a near liberalized, there's no nobody's getting to the core, like there's no revolutionary stuff around distribution. And you're like, What? What? You know, I can't, I'm misquoting him probably, probably totally. He's probably going to sue me. Fuck. <laughs> like, if somebody brings up distribution, like you know, straight away. Have a have a look at all these like Tribune or, or exactly around these and look at the amount of them that discuss. Now they do a, they have a very good marketing ploy because they know most people are actually most people that like that stuff actually are more commie than than they are because theirs is a grift, right? And what they what they want to do is they want to attract you by writing a, an odd historical one about the Soviets or like fucking Cuba or something, right? And then. Then they'll have like an article on MMT and why MMT is like the communist revolution or something, right? Yeah, you know, like, and that's that's their ploy to get you in the door. Yeah, it's all stuff that you could like plausibly send to like your your like mom or something like that. Like, you know what I mean? It's all stuff that could like, oh, a liberal could be like healthcare. Yeah, that makes sense too. And oh, sure, yeah, the triangle waistcoat, you know, factory fire or something like that. You know what I mean? But it's more. yeah, it's more it's more rational if we were to consume less of our GDP in, in healthcare <laughs> expenditure, and then we could use the leftovers from that to push a Green New Deal, where we could give people health, you know, give people good jobs around where where the mines used to be, the coal mines, and then they could have like hundreds of thousands of propellers in Kentucky, which would maybe slice and dice most of the most of the entire state into like shredded. <laughs> But no like, birds. There would be no birds. There would be no birds. You would have so much good quality shredded duck and good <laughs> green jobs. You know, like, you know, yeah. God damn it. I thought I thought you were about. I thought you were about to go uh, more of a Navarro media route with that, where you're about to be like, and everybody will have the biggest mansion under communism, where we will all be happy to just have big things, and we'll just consume. Like the level of analysis is so bad. It's just, <laughs> No joking you, it's so bad. Like your man Aaron Bastan, I cannot stand that. <laughs> I like I find him a very personally like regardless of his politics, I find him very personally irritating. <laughs> Let me just say that. Right. <laughs> Well, this is a good time. This is a good time to say that Aaron Bastani will be our next guest on the oh, podcast. God. <laughs> Could you ask him why he always sounds like he's got too much saliva in his mouth? <laughs> the answer is because he always has too much saliva in his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta take a drink here. <laughs> but, yeah, but like in his book on was it future communism or or whatever, it was like he had a he he was talking about how they're going to be mining asteroids soon. <laughs> Like, like, does it, like ask a physicist how much fuel it takes to get one kilo of an uh, of a of a load into Earth orbit or an external to the Earth's orbit, right? I think it takes something like a thousand kilos of fuel 
for mm-hmm. one one kilogram Kilo. to get up there, right? And you're going to have mining operations <laughs> <laughs> that would be like literally a million tons of mining operation. You're going to send up. You would have to burn the entire permafrost in Russia to get get the stuff up there. And what are they going to bring back? Like unobtainium, though. That's the thing. They're going to be bringing back unobtainium. So. No joking. Yeah, don't get me. I have an episode actually <laughs> coming up on Avatar. I do have an episode coming up on Avatar. There's another one, like, um, uh, um, like, my, I have never seen Avatar. Uh huh. And like, I w- listened to that Chapo episode. Chapo episode. And it was like a white knight thing. And I watched it with my missus. My missus is is like my missus's parents are from the Caribbean. So she's black. My my son is mixed race. And we watched it, and it was like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, so we're going to do, we're actually going to do an episode on that. Sorry. There was another thing, like, uh, about Novara Media. What was it? Um, <laughs> it was another point I had to make. Something. Beyond your personal dislike of Aaron Bastani, <laughs> the, other theoretical, the, the theoretical critique was the asteroid mining. <laughs> oh, the asteroid mining. Yeah, there was a, there was a, um, sorry, one second. Well, like, how, how does it square into, how does, how does this infinite luxury communism square with, like, uh, finite resources on the earth can anyone it tell doesn't that? like so what what is it like what what is that then like you're asking me why does this guy get on sky news why is he like the communist that's on sky news it's because you know he, he's basically an ex he, he's like a libertarian accelerationist like mm. we get the left we deserve like systemically we get the left we deserve we'll have these leftists who are basically establishment figureheads leftists. Now, they may be aware of it or unaware of it. Ask me. They're all very, very, very self-aware people of their politics. Yeah. So it's like, I just think, like, we get what we deserve until we build our own thing. This is who we're going to have. Like, yeah, we got to go on war mode. Like, literally, like, look at the effect Jimmy Dore had by going on war mode. <laughs> We should be going in war mode. I, I, I <laughs> fully think we should be doing war mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I always, I always, I always wondered with Novara Media if it's like I used to kind of be like, well, maybe this is just a ploy to get people to like listen about communism, and it's like, oh, I don't, it's not. <laughs> it's just like, like I've much more respect for your man Michael Walker on it, who's a social democrat. He's not a communist. Yeah, mm. it's like if you were a social democrat, grand, like. I fully like you can be a social democrat. Grant, we'll disagree. Whatever. I really, I really can't stand people who, who, who call themselves like you know a left com like or an, a communist who's basically like I've heard Aaron Bastani literally on the podcast talking about like how young entrepreneurs aren't doing well, you know, <laughs> like with Brexit and like what's it going to do to our young entrepreneurs? It's like I nearly had, I nearly spat out my cornfield. <laughs> I was like, imagine, imagine Mark saying, what about the young, aspiring real estate entrepreneur? Who's thinking of them in the comments? We've got, we got to attract the real estate entrepreneurs. Mm. God damn it. What about the cotton mill owner in Manchester? Oh, wait what a minute. About, oh, Engels, wait a minute. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Preston. Let's talk about <laughs> Um. Well, there you go. I think is that a good place to leave it we, with we uh, Navarra while, Media? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Any any clicks not stand? No, no, no. Not only, missing like only, you, so. 
No, I, I, there is one in my head. I had one very specific thing, and I can't get it. I can't remember what it was. Uh, God next time. It. God, God damn, damn it. it. <laughs> I said God damn it a lot. It's always the way. <laughs> all right. Well, there you all go. Right, Thank you very right. much for coming on, Tom. Um, this has been a blast. Um, I don't do know. Wanna, there you do you go. Want option to plug things? We can obviously include all sorts of links and things. And oh, to yeah. Our, to our small number of listeners currently. <laughs> I'm really bad at plugging things. I always forget. Like uh-huh. so, just like my podcast is from Alpha to Omega. It's a it's a terrible name. Yeah, <laughs> it was named before I really had any kind of political idea of what the hell I was doing. So it sounds like a weird religious one. There, I think there is an actual from Alpha to Omega, some like church in America that has a podcast by the same name. <laughs> really weird. So it's a terrible. You should see them. Yeah, so you won't have any idea what the podcast is by its name or by the symbol I use for it. So all in all, terrible marketing, just like what I'm doing now. But I, I, I get in, I like doing comedy stuff at the moment. Yeah, um, comedy stuff, good. Emancipation Network, good Emancipation stuff. Emancipation Network, yeah. We do a reading group series and really deep dive stuff. Where like we did one on the Mike McNair book we just discussed was like it, it literally I think it's forty two episodes. So like forty two hours. We're in the middle of. Um, well, we finished the 18th Brumaire. We did a, which actually, talking about a timely reading group to do for what's going mm-hmm. on with Donald Trump, it's it's like, it's shockingly, you know, wasn't by my design at all or intent. I hadn't read it before we did it, so I didn't even know what I was getting into. So, like, that's uh, still being released. There's going to be about 30 episodes of that, 35 episodes. Uh, and we've got starting a new one next week, which is, have I got the book here? I do. Wow, look at that. Oh my god, look at this understanding class by Eric mm-hmm. Colin Wright. Um, I have a copy of that on the shelf as well. <laughs> oh, have you started reading it yet? I've, I've started to read it a few times. I've read the first two or three, three or four maybe chapters like multiple times. I always come back to it, start again, kind of thing, and start again, and start again. It's hard um, work. I find, yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't, I would like, yeah, it, we're basically the reason we're doing this is because some people are in the network are really interested in kind of dealing with this PMC thing that keeps on popping up, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so it's a pre- professional managerial class and, you know, you know, the Liz Warren Knights of the, of the world <laughs> uh, and how they're our, our enemy and just kind of, uh, so this guy's an analytic Marxist. Um, so some of it, I think I find it quite hard to read, to be honest with you. I find it very boring. It's mm-hmm. like, it's very dry. It's like somebody's notes. Yeah, so much of it is like various sociological debates between different people, sort of like. Yeah. Um, but you feel like it's, he's definitely trying to like tick all the boxes kind of thing. He's not like not going to like jump to your sort of Marxist answer for how to win an analyzed class or something. But, um, I don't know. Yeah, like it's, but I think we, the series will be good because, you, like, I don't know if I'd recommend somebody to read it, but I think the series, the, the, the reading group might be good to listen to. That's the way I put it. Um, so apart from that, no, that's and the Patreon, but like, yeah. Whatever, commies, commies <laughs> yeah. for money. It's pretty. pretty <laughs> hey, we all need money. It's gotta be done. It's gotta be done. It's gotta be done. Yeah. I'm looking. All right. If anybody has any labor tickets, they could give me. Like you know, like from the. No 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 no. no 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 no. You're on you're on our podcast. If you have labor, if you have labor tokens, give them to Dan and I. No no. no <laughs> any labor chits or anything like that I'll take. Like they're non-transferable. I won't be able to to accumulate or anything. I'll just use my consumption.
music you heard this episode was Music to Kill Bad People To by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. If you like this song, you can check it out and much, much more on their Bandcamp at kinggizzard.bandcamp.com. Be sure and follow us up on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you like what you heard, be sure and tune in next week for some more comedy discussion. Till next time. Oh,